Right. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the, our Easter service for Mosaic Community Church. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning as we celebrate our risen Lord. We have a wonderful service plan. We want you to enjoy yourself. We want you to, we've gone through the entire Holy Week. We have had our uh, Good Friday service where we remember the price Jesus paid for us. And we are now here today. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty and Jesus was resurrected. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us have um, our scripture reading done by Robbie Halstead. All right. I'll be reading from Matthew 28 verses 1 through 10. Early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Do not be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said what happened. Come, see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you so much for this new day, new resurrection, new opportunity, new mercies. We thank you, God, that you greet us with this day, that we remember you and the sacrifice that you've made for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for that. We ask your blessing on each household represented here today and those members who can't be with us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We need you. We love you. And we thank you that we can partner with you in life. May you be glorified by the words that are said, by the songs that are lifted, and the hands that go up in adoration and worship to your name. Be glorified, Lord Jesus, for you are worthy. You are our worthy Lord. You are our King. We exalt you. We say thank you and hallelujah to your name. You're wonderful and so worthy, so worthy to be praised. Amen. We're going to have worship now, led by Lindsay. Sunday. Happy Easter Sunday. I hope you're all with your families right now. Maybe you decided to put on something nice for Easter Sunday. I tried to clean up a little bit. But even if you didn't, that's okay. It's okay if you're in your jammies because the important thing is that we're all here together now um, worshiping for Easter Sunday. So we're going to start our time together this morning with a medley of Easter songs. Um, some of these are my favorite hope they are yours too. Um, if you're able and you're willing, I'm going to invite you to stand. We haven't really done standing during our worship at home services, but today's a special day and I'm wondering if some of us might just need a change of pace. So if you're feeling it, if you're able, stand up and praise with me.
beautiful thank you Lindsay I was thinking how hard must it be to sit there in your house and watch yourself singing <laughs> so I wouldn't want to watch myself preaching oh but we are grateful that you um, shared your gift with us in such a beautiful way um, I really appreciate that it was beautiful I listened to it last night um, and um, really enjoyed it so um, I forgot to remind everyone we're going to have communion uh, in the course of this service so if you need to run off at some point and get uh, something uh, for the, the wine and the bread, it can be anything. It can be water, it can be milk, it can be Kool-Aid um, and a slice of bread. That's fine. That's fine. We are keeping things simple, but the, it's the meaning and that we're doing it together that matters. So, amen. All right. Um, so, uh, our sermon today is entitled, We Are All in This Together. All throughout um, social media, on TV, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, is a common message that's being delivered. We are in this together. 
to remind us that we are saving lives through our acts of social distancing and by staying home. We are being encouraged not to grow weary in what we're doing, no matter the monotony, no matter the claustrophobia, no matter how many times you walked around the same block, I don't know how many times and just want to get free. No, no matter what, um, staying home, homeschooling our kids, not gathering in groups is having an impact and it's flattening that curve um, of the virus. And I wanna thank you for that. This message is being kept before our eyes so we remember. We remember why we're doing this. So we remember that we all, what we all have at stake or that we all have a stake in this. That we remember that we, what you do has impact on me and what I do has impact on you. It's so incredible that this message of the importance of isolation is, is um, boldly shining a light on our interconnectedness, the interconnections of our lives. There have been those who have uh, worked hard to delineate difference in the value that one human life has over another in our society. And yet, when we think about this virus, here are, here's a basic truth. It took people with resources that allowed them to travel over the globe by plane or by sea to bring the virus to our shores. So those of means got sick and brought it here first. Then their engagement, standing in lines at customs, meeting with their families and coworkers, going to get their cars repaired, picking up a bottle of wine or, or a jug of milk from the grocery store, people having everyday encounters with people spread this virus all around. And we have come to the realization that we are here indeed, we are all in this together. A pandemic. This is this pandemic may serve for us as a great another great awakening, an awakening of humanity to humanity. Now, there are things about this pandemic I mean, that are upsetting for all of us. The suffering of the poor and how they suffer more during um, epidemics, and the under-resourced and how they they suffer. Um, I'm sad that it's hitting the African-American community hard and uh, the disparities, the reasons for it can make me angry. But we have to acknowledge what I said earlier, that the virus was spread from person to person, that it, doesn't, it didn't look at wallets, it looked for flesh and blood. And all flesh and blood, all humanity is susceptible to this deadly illness. How you address this illness has impact on me. And again, how I deal with it is impacting you. Thus, we are experiencing being in this together. We all are in this COVID-19 pandemic together. I hear that on TV and it sounds like, you know, we're seeing something new. We're all in this together. This, and, and when we say this, what we're talking about or what they're talking about is this pandemic. But what I mean today, when I say we're all in this together is that we're all in this together. We're all in life together. And the reality is the pandemic makes up this much, this portion of our lives. We're all in this together, but we're all in this. And the understanding that, that the impact that we have, the interconnectedness that we have with one another is important, it's significant. And to remember that God hasn't left us alone, that it's just humanity that's in this together. That's not who our God is. God created with the mindset that humanity and the rest of in creation, that he's joined with us and that we are in this and this together. This has been the truth from the beginning of time. And Jesus' re resurrection from the dead is God's fulfillment of God's purpose in creation. To celebrate the resurrection of our Lord now, 
join with me in saying this. I'm going to say he's risen, and I want you to respond. He's risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen, he is indeed. risen indeed. He is risen. He is, he is risen indeed. He has risen. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed. Amen. So uh, we bless the Lord with that because he has risen. He has risen indeed. Jesus came to save. There are those who believe. It's the nature of God to save. Thus they believe everything in creation will be saved, no matter what humanity does. Now, I agree that it's God's nature to save and that Jesus' offering of his life and rising from the dead is intimately connected to salvation. Salvation flows from who or whom God is. Salvation was wrought in the very act of God creating from the beginning. It has an intrinsic relationship to creation, meaning salvation by its nature belongs to creation. If we are to understand the message of the empty tomb, we need to understand that God has always acted as our savior. Allow me two really quick examples from the scripture to demonstrate this. First example is found in Genesis 1. It's in the let us make humanity in our image and after our likeness. I know I've been saying that since I got here, and some of you are probably tired of hearing me say it, but there is a point to be made that I, I, I'm going to keep trying to make until we, we get it, until I get it, until it sinks down the depths of my soul. From the beginning, God was saying, let us give humanity unity, the ability to connect and to stay in life-giving relationship with me and each other and all of creation, creating us for create for connection was a life-giving salvific act of God. Second, it's found in the uh, the book of Exodus. In those Exodus narratives, God took a took a group of people, <clears throat> a mixed multitude of people who toiled in in slavery in Egypt, and He created out of those oppressed people a people. In doing so, God made a new creation. God made a liberated people with a national sense of identity, the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel. And according to Dr. Lorda Martel in her paper on the, the doctrine of salvation, this is what God did. These are two creative acts of God to help us understand that God has always been savior from the beginning. Now, this may be a bit different from our traditional understanding of salvation because we're used to talking about salvation as an act of God saving us from something. The words commonly used in scripture to, des to describe or express the salvation have been saved, to rescue, to redeem, and it's been common for, um, to be used in this way. God and Jesus saves us from God and Jesus rescues us from, and it's usually we say rescues us from sin, saves us from sin, redeems us from sin. Our traditional understanding of salvation flows from the idea that humanity had a problem, and we call that problem sin. And for every problem, we think there is a solution. And so Jesus became the solution for our sin problem. And thus, our view of salvation is that it begins with Jesus. We have a sin problem. Salvation enters in with Jesus. He solves our problem through his death, his burial, and more so his resurrection. And we have an end to our sin problem. Yet today, as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, I want us to understand that while it's not incorrect to say that Jesus saves us from sin, from the world, from its evil, I'd like us to be careful to remember that salvation encompasses so much more than the froms, with a focus on insufficiency and lack. It makes us think that everything that surrounds us is wrong and bad, 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 bad. And I don't have to participate somehow in the redemption of those bad things. They're bad. So they're going to be thrown away. They're going to be done away with an earth, <clears throat> the earth that will eventually be thrown away. We have a society that will eventually be thrown away. And even that there are people that will eventually be thrown away, that God is saving us 
from all that which will be discarded, that doesn't have worth or value. But I want us to understand that God in the fullness of the Godhead has ever been saving us. From the beginning of time, God has acted to save four and two, to save us four and two our proper role in our proper position as participants and partners with God and with each other, with all of creation, making a united culture that enhances the whole of creation. He told us to have dominion and we took that as rule and authority. And while it does mean that, it doesn't mean heavy handed, but to embellish and to make better and to make more. This is the shalom that God is bringing us to. And it is a kingdom. The kingdom of God encompasses the kingdom that is shalom, the expression of shalom in the earth. So that means that salvation didn't just start with the empty tomb, but that the empty tomb is God's fulfillment of our salvation. The act or process of delivering that promise from the beginning to us, its achievement. It's what he intended on doing all along. So that now, so that not only involved, no, so that that not only involves Jesus's death and resurrection, and please understand, I'm not diminishing in any way the importance and the power of Jesus's death and resurrection. I won't do that. What I'm saying is it has even more value for Jesus's life, death, and re resurrection demonstrates his life his death and his resurrection demonstrates that God is committed to us. God has consistently through time been committed to save. And that commitment and consistency um, is a strive for common union, a communion compelled by God for all creation to enter in. And so much so that God entered in, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what's significant about that as it relates to the resurrection? I need to explain something. Again, I wanna say this. I said God was committed and consistent in the strive for common union. That which saves, I mean, that which strives to make everything whole, mature and complete with shalom, it compelled the word to be made flesh. In our creation story in Genesis 3, starting around chapter, I mean, verse 8, it's explained that the humans present in the garden heard the sound of the Lord as God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And instead of running to God and joining God as active participants and partners with God and bringing about shalom on the earth that we were to till and to keep and to spread all over the, the, the circumference of the earth. Instead of running to God in partnership to do that, those two humans ran away from God and hid from God. Why? Because they had done that which separated themselves. And so they didn't feel the commitment and the consistency and the love. They felt shame and that made them want to remove themselves from the presence of God because they'd done that which separated them from God. And as a result, separated all of us, the scripture says, from God. We call that sin. We were no longer in unity. We had a broken relationship. But since God is life and brokenness couldn't exist with life, we were disconnected. And that disconnected led to our death. He said, if you do this thing, eat this fruit, you'll surely die. And years and years later, death came. But there is also a definition of death that is a separation from God. And then our bodies die. What happened then? Even though there was the separation, God immediately started to act. He spoke to the, the two humans. He spoke to the serpent. He made them clothing of, of, of animal skin. God took care of them. And God, and even though that there was a distance now, God's commitment still was in place. God's goal for humanity or the purpose for 
uh, humanity was always in God's mind that we would exist in common union as participants and partners with God in bringing about shalom. I'm going to keep saying it because I want you to get it in your head. I want to keep it in my head that we were to be participants and partners with God in bringing about shalom on the earth. Nothing missing, nothing broken, everything complete in wholeness and fullness. The Bible is filled with stories of God acting with this purpose in mind. I gave this sermon this title of we're all in this together because we're hearing it but it speaks of a different truth. And as you see it on your television screens and as you hear actors and politicians and, and your neighbors say it over and over again, I want it to expand in meaning and I want us to expand the meaning and, and share because it, there's a gospel meaning in it. Yes, we are all in this together. God is joining us in this, in this pandemic and in all of life. We're in this thing together. God is forever committed to us. Now, over the centuries, there have been several theories on why Jesus came to the earth and had to die. Now, in the second century, I'm going to do a brief history. I'll try anyway. In the second century, um, Irenaeus, an early church father who served as the, as the Bishop of Lyons, believed God intended to have an intimate relationship with humanity. That as humanity grew, that relationship would grow and become more and more intimate and stronger through the years and through the generations. But sin entered the world and humanity became subject to Satan. And so Irenaeus believed that Jesus became the second Adam who liberated us from the power of sin and this thing that, that he called re recapitulation, that in Jesus, history is redone that Jesus had to come in at every stage of human development and redo history as the second or last Adam and that and thus make a way of salvation for us making us in him a new humanity then there was um there were those who thought Jesus's death um they thought of it as a ransom paid to say to Satan to free us from sinful sin Others rejected that God could owe Satan anything and thought God baited Satan into thinking he was paying the ransom, but in truth, he was coaxing Satan close so that, so that Satan, in thinking that he would consume God, the light would overtake the darkness. Anselm was a bishop uh, of Canterbury in the medieval period. He spoke of how humanity had failed to honor God. And because we failed to honor God, God's honor needed to be satisfied. There was an honor debt on us. And to satisfy that debt, Jesus needed to come and provide the compensation of his life to pay that honor debt that humanity had with God. And then as a result, he would set things back in order and we, humanity, would no longer need to be punished with the punishment of eternal death. So we had that thought of salvation. And then, um, which people say is an um, ontological view of salvation. And then we get to one that looks at it based on like a trial and a jury. Um, and that the belief that salvation is purely and only about forgiveness. The student named Abelard, who was in the 12th century, um, he wrote that he didn't really like the discussion uh, that Anselm was having about uh, recapitulation. Oh, that was Arrhenius. The, the conversation that, that um, An um, Anselm was having about the God needing to be satisfied so his honor would be satisfied. He believed that Jesus was moved to come out of his love for humanity. He taught that love moves one to act, and it does for others what they can't do for themselves. And thus, in loving, there is transformation. God changes humanity by loving us. But he really wasn't sure, he wasn't clear on the meaning of the cross and the resurrection. See, all of these theories have been debated and tossed around until... Uh, it's kind of a general notion for us that the cross and the resurrection are central events that grant salvation. John Calvin got in 
to the mix. And he crafted a theory of atonement based on the principle of divine judgment. And so that we are guilty and that judgment has to rest on someone's head. And so God comes in the person of Jesus Christ and allows the guilt to rest on him in our place as a substitute for us. And then there's Martin Luther who came and he talked about justification by faith through grace, which became the prominent idea for reformation. Does any of that sound familiar? Is that part of your thinking about what it means that Jesus came and died, that, that we were guilty of sin and we needed a savior, that Jesus came and stood in our place we all have maybe a hodgepodge mixture of these things, not really knowing where they came from, but hearing them as different ministers spoke or as we sat in different Sunday school classes and, and, and trying to gather a clear understanding of the fact that Jesus came and he died for me. And what does it mean that he died for me? And so they all get kind of mixed together. And do you know where you fall in the midst of this discussion? All I know, while I've studied all of those things, all I know is this. God created with purpose as demonstrated in his creation of humanity when he said, let us. That we, we were to exist in union or in unity with one another, with God, all of creation. God was 100% in with us, always intended to. The walking, uh, God, hearing God walk in the cool of the day was not an anomaly. God had always intended to be present with us and share in this union of bringing shalom. And our sovereignty, our authority as humanity is, is encapsulated in that, that communal relationship and how we go about spreading shalom. It is salvation, that spread of shalom, because it's only in life, in life with God, with the one who created everything, that we know and have salvation. So he did never create, created us to be apart from God's self. Now, whether it was satisfaction or moral influence or recapitulation, which is a wonderful word, atonement or saved by faith through grace, God acted. God has not, has not just been saving us from what separates us and causes death, but God's been saving us for relationships. God demonstrated in Jesus what it is to live a life in relationship with God, with the sweet and powerful and beautiful communion of relationship, of that which gives life. And I know this, that the forces of evil are selfish. So unity and selfishness, it's hard to exist. It battles back and forth within us, within our society. Unity values and respects God and what God has made. While selfishness seeks to exalt itself. So if the result is selfishness, the forces of evil in the world, if the result of Jesus's death was the cause of selfishness, the forces of the, of the evil one or the forces of evil rose up and they killed an innocent man, a man who did no wrong on the cross. Then I believe that it was the power of the unity of God's relationship with Jesus that raised him from the dead. Death could not hold him. Death could not keep him separate. When he cried out on Friday night, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he had that experience for the first time in his life, what it was to be away from that divine, communal, rich, beautiful, sweet relationship, that cry had come out of him. 
but because of the purity of his heart, the purity of his desire for union, and the power that that has as a life force, because of the immeasurability of love and commitment that God has to God's self, death could not hold Jesus because he was and is who he says he is. And he said this in John 11, I am the resurrection and I am the life. They that believe in me, though they may die, yet shall they live. Whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And our answer today is yes, because we believe he's risen. Our answer today is yes, and we shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we, we, we celebrate this because we dared to ask the question last Sunday, was he real? Could these things possibly have happened? And our answer to that again is yes, he was real. There are accounts of his life written in ancient records, not just the scripture, but in historical records that Jesus lived. And there are records of what happened after his death, that these people, his followers, spoke of him rising from the dead and an entire movement cre was created that changed the face of the earth and that people in their belief came to know Jesus as Savior, came to know, maybe recognize for ourselves for the first time, but to realize that God has ever acted in salvation to transform us, to be a part of us, to live with us. And that those things that we do, those actions that separate us from, from God, break that unity and distort our lives and our perceptions of the world. But that it is only in unity with God that we have an understanding of creation. It is only through time spent with God and allowing God to talk to us, the word made flesh, and then the word made flesh and dwelling in us. Still, the word made flesh and dwelling in us. Still, through the person of the Holy Spirit, we come to a place of growing understanding and that we have as participant in salvation, in the redemption of the world, we have, play, have part, a role to play. We partner with God in bringing about this salvation. He did, yes, all that work that we couldn't do for ourselves. I believe that. And that evil rose up and took his life. I'm a liberation theory, or, um, theologian more so. We're all theologians because theology is faith-seeking understanding. And so when I look at the scripture, I see that there was oppression and the oppression and the forces of evil that come and roll against humanity and against creation to make us less, to make us not value one another and to not value what God has created, that those forces are at work in the earth. But Jesus in his redemption, when I unite with he who created the heaven and earth, with the living word of God, and I repeat the things that God has said, and I live in a way that honors what God has talked about, and that honors God, and that honors you, I know that out of me, there can be life, just as out of Jesus, there is life, where he is risen, and my life is risen, and your life is risen, and we've never been the same. Because he is risen, and because he lives, we have an opportunity now to share the gospel, to spread it so that people can know what it's like to be in this loving unity with God. We don't have to tell these, I'll go away stories, a by and by, uh, overcoming all this stuff. We get to the other side of Jordan. We can talk about a God who is always saving and who has saved us now. We can talk about the relationship because that's what really transforms the life. Fire insurance, uh, not being afraid of going to hell. That stuff may make us pay attention. But he said that he came and that anyone who would believe in him, that we would be the children of God. It is about more than trying to escape something, being saved from something. We have to know that we're being saved to someone and a reality that is corrected, and a reality that we will see fulfilled. Jesus's act, his coming and dying and rising again was an act of salvation that we are a part of because we experience newness of life through him. He is risen, and because he lives, I can not only face today, 
but I have hope for tomorrow. I can not only deal with the things that are coming at me today, but I know that I'm not alone in it. Because he lives, I'm gaining a better understanding of my role and of your role in life. Because he lives, I have experienced and seen and tasted the kingdom. And it, after tasting it, after being with a group of people who loved each other so much, who wanted the win-win, who fought for it, who cried for it, who, who ate together, who, who, who gave up their own resources so that others would have, who helped me buy a house, I have... I have seen the kingdom because he lives. And now I can't settle for anything less. It is through relationship that he saves. And he wants this relationship with you. And he wants it with me. And he wants it ever to deepen. We're in this together. God was committed from the beginning. He never changes his mind. He's committed today into forever. May God bless you. May God bless us as we remember that he's called us to unity, to be participants and partners in spreading shalom. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Jesus Christ, who has resurrected.
The moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon him. One final breath he gave As heaven looked away The Son of God was laid in darkness A battle in the grave The war on death was waged The power of hell forever broken The ground began to shake Hopefully everybody has gathered their uh, communion elements, okay? 
like to share in communion. Again, we within um, our church, our belief is that we do communion in remembrance of him as a memorial. And so um, it's okay to grab a cracker or a slice from a loaf of bread. It's okay to grab some liquid other than wine because we do this. It is the meaning behind the activity. It is the moment that we stop and in reverence, remember what Christ has offered. And so let us begin. On the evening that Jesus was betrayed, he went up into the upper room and had the Passover meal and participated in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And in the course of the meal, he stopped and he picked up bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much. Lord, that you allowed your body to be broken for us. That you are the bread of life and that it's broken into many pieces because now you are able to live in many hearts through the Holy Spirit. You are able to feed us through the understanding, the truth that the Spirit leads us to. You're able to feed us with your words. So, Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of your body on our behalf. Please take and eat. And then he took the wine and he gave thanks for it. And so, Lord, we thank you for this wine, for this drink, that it represents the blood of the everlasting covenant, that your blood was shed on us, that you were our Passover lamb, that you have been that unblemished lamb that was offered for us, that we might not have a relationship, not just know about God, but have a relationship, an ever-deepening and ever-growing relationship with God because of the blood that was shed upon the altar of the earth for all of us. And so, church, drink in remembrance of him. We are told that as often as we eat this bread in this manner and drink this wine, this offering, in this manner, we do show forth. I like show forth. We do wait and show the world that we are waiting for him to come again. We show the world that we believe. And as believers, we take part. We know that he did this for us. And so we remember it. And we remember that there is within us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the living God. And we remember that we have been covered in the blood and that no harm. Though we die, we shall let yet live. We know this. And because we know this, we live in faith. We live in hope. Because we know that we've received the grace of God, the forgiveness of everything that we've done, we'll do today and we'll do in the future. We have peace with God. And, and we have peace with one another in all of creation. So today, let us remember this, that we are participants and partners with God. Let us seek God on how we participate in spreading shalom in all the earth so that it grows and it matures and it's healthy. And so it exists. We all exist with nothing missing, nothing broken, maturing in love, in unity. May God be glorified in the way we live our lives in honor and honor God. Thank you, O oh God, for this day that you've made. Thank you, O oh God, that you rose from the grave. Thank you that you went out and saw the women, saw Mary, and told Mary to tell the disciples to meet you. Thank you, Lord, that you met the disciples. Thank you that you ascended into heaven. Thank you that the work is finished because it was finished from the very beginning that you have acted to save. 
that you've acted to save. And our responsibility, Lord, the part that we play is our belief, our faith in you, that you are able to save us and that where you are will be. So we're not waiting for an I'll fly away over yonder story. We are in the midst of a loving relationship, love story with you. We bless your name, God, because you're worthy. We bless your name, God, because we're thankful and grateful for your coming. We bless you because you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. And we bless you because you are able to keep us and all we entrust into your care. Be glorified today throughout the entire world, your church, your people. And may we have words of praise and songs of praise that make others want to know who is this Jesus we sing about and that we're able to tell them to share so that they too will want a relationship with him like we have. It's in your son's name we pray and we're thankful that we can pray in his name. Amen and amen. So there's a invitation that's been offered for those who want to join together at the um, at one o'clock and share a meal together and have some time to talk to each other uh, and and uh, just be together because the day is about being together. And so um, if you like that and we'd like you to we sent out uh, um, an email to everybody that has the Zoom address for that. We won't do it live. This is just a Zoom meeting for the church and for members and friends. If you'd like to be a part of that, please send an email to the uh, info at mosaicphiladelphia.org and we can send that uh, link for you to join in. Now listen, if you make a, fang, uh, a, a really wonderful meal, great. If you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, great. And have a glass of milk. Again, it is about being together. If you have on nice clothes and we want to do an Easter parade, let's do it. Let the kids dress up and we can all look at them and clap and praise them for how beautiful they look. If they're in the PJs, they can parade around too because they're still beautiful. It is about us being together. So please join us at one o'clock um, on Zoom. Be blessed, everybody. Give me a wave so I can say goodbye. Love you. Love you. He is risen. Oh, it's at 1.30. I've been given the wrong time. It's at 1.30. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He has risen in indeed. indeed. Be blessed. Bye-bye. <laughs>